0: Hello, and welcome to our, at any rate, Emerging Markets Focus podcast, the place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the Emerging Market Fixed Income Asset Class. I'm Johnny Golden from the Emerging Market Strategy team here at JP Morgan. and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Market Strategy team. Saad, thanks for joining.
1: Hi, good to be here.
0: The rally in EM assets is now getting into its fourth month, and this week has seen that continue a bit, coinciding with general strength in in global risk appetite, some better than expected flash PMIs helping with that, and and maybe uh, GDP prints as well. Our overall cyclical view has been one where the market environment since November we have seen as a bit of a window between the negatives of repricing a Fed terminal rate, which was last year's negative driver, and what we have later on in the year in the the forecast for a US recession. Um, But there is this waiting period. And and as you will know, some of the themes we've discussed recently have been around how China's reopening maybe could extend that window and and add further support uh, in this period. But the main short-term reason that argues against wanting to chase this market higher really comes from the speed and the magnitude of the rally that's already been seen across EM fixed income, which is on par with real post-crisis type rallies in terms of uh, the size that we've seen. And one way of analysing this is obviously to focus also on positioning, to see if the indicators that we're getting uh, on the extent of bullish positioning are going to be an impediment that can stop this market from uh, performing and sort of put us back into uh, a a bit of a a sell-off period. So, Saad, trying to gauge market positioning is always a a bit of an inexact science. Obviously, there's always a buyer and a seller of assets. Um, But what are the best techniques? Technical signals that that we tend to look at, and what are they showing at the moment for EM fixed income?
1: So that's right. I think it's right at this point, after the rally we've seen of such a large magnitude and speed, to get a sense of have investors really gotten uh, over overly long and overly bullish, uh, or is there more room to go? Now, one of the most reliable indicators that we have used in recent years is our Uh, EMFX Risk Appetite Index. Now, as the name suggests, it's not just an indicator of positioning per se, but it's more of a compound aggregate index that includes indicators of investor positioning, of flows into the EM uh, asset class. It has uh, volatility indicators and some technical indicators there as well. Um, So this indicator, which has served us well, Um, as as a tactical multi-week positioning indicator, that tells us that right now, um, investors have probably gotten a little bit too long. So last week, the index crossed the threshold, which suggests that we are in overbought uh, territory. Um, So that's something that's worth pondering about. Now, this is a, a better signal for when investors are Um, you know, a bit too short and too bearish than when they are kind of too bullish. Uh, But nonetheless, it's it's actually works quite well across uh, all EM fixed income assets, not just FX. So, you know, once this is in overbought territory, you should expect some widening of credit spreads and some higher yields in uh, in local rates as well. Away from the EMFX risk appetite index, uh, we also have the J.P. Morgan EM Client Survey. Now, this is a less frequently updated indicator. You know, this is updated uh, once a month, where we survey our clients and ask them about um, their positions in various emerging market asset classes and in um, uh, specific countries as well. Uh, whereas the EM FX Risk Appetite Index is updated on a weekly basis. But even on this uh, slower moving indicator, uh, the client survey, we still see significant increases in positioning um, over the last couple of months, as you'd expect when we have a rally. But there's some interesting differentiation there as well. You know, the increases in positioning are concentrated in sovereign credit and and EMFX, uh, less so in EM duration. So it looks like
0: some of these indicators or the ones that we're following are showing investors are, are, are getting more bullishly positioned. And, and that may act to limit this rally in the short term if the past is, is a guide for us. But that is obviously about dedicated investors uh, in the asset class. What about flows? Because that can add, obviously, more demand. And that's telling us something about the way global investors may be positioning uh, in the MFIX income.
1: That's right. Inflows to EM-dedicated funds have increased in the last few months. Uh, in fact, they've increased at the fastest pace since 2021 for both local and hard currency uh, bond funds. Now, over the last few years, um, flows to China have been a key driver of flows into EM local bond funds. That's because you know, the, the China local bond um, entered the GBI EM index, and there was a lot of under-allocation to that market to begin with, so you have to look at uh, the flows both ex China and to China itself as well to get a sense of the flows into into local currency bonds. In the last few months, however, inflows to China local bonds uh, have been quite limited. Um, you know, the China reopening theme um, is is kind of much more um, likely to help Chinese equity than it is to to help kind of Chinese local bonds, and that's where the inflows have been. Um, More broadly, if we take a step back, um, you know, both portfolio flows and broader capital flows to emerging markets have been improving uh, in the last few months. You know, prior to that, you know, last year, uh, they were very subdued. We'd seen persistent periods of outflows. Um, You know, since, uh, you know, the last uh, few months, We've seen about $38 billion worth of gross inflows, um, you know, driven by uh, the weakening of the dollar as well. So, all told, I think from low levels, we are seeing, uh, you know, decent inflows come into EM bond funds as well. The question is really how long this um, can. So, Johnny, um, you know, this is clearly indicating that, you know, global investors do have scope to add an EM fixed income. Um, But you know what's the data around foreign ownership telling us right now, and how do we think about this kind of near-term versus medium-term drivers here?
0: Yeah, so we also have, as well as that flows, which is an indication of the way global investors are positioned. We also have data on the way uh, uh, foreign ownership of local bonds um, for for local currency debt, and that is pretty clearly showing that this still remains really quite low. Um, compared to where we were pre-COVID, for example. So foreign ownership of emerging market local bonds has been falling over a multi-year horizon. And if we look at that generally the way I think it it sort of adds to this feeling that the investor base within emerging markets, which probably will influence the short-term price action a bit more, Certainly feels like they are positioned in the asset class at the moment. But global investors have not significantly allocated to EM local bonds in particular. They've mostly avoided the asset class for a decade where it had a lot of volatility and, and actually was paid to, to avoid it. But it looks like they also have plenty of room to add. Uh, and maybe that's more of a medium term theme uh, in the way we think about it. But coming back to you, Saad, on the positioning in the way the investor base is at the moment, when we're looking specifically now at uh, countries in local markets, which countries look like they're stretched, uh, starting with FX maybe.
1: So on the FX side, unsurprisingly, you know most of the time you find that the the long positions, the consensus positions are concentrated in the higher yielding markets, and you know there's a good relationship between carry and positioning. So right now, you know, the highest yields on offer are in Latin America. They are in parts of Central and Eastern Europe as well. And it's those regions that have um the highest FX positioning. You know, Mex Peso, we've talked about that. It's also one that at least in our client survey looks like um although the level of positioning is high, it's not too far from its longer-term average. So that's one of those currencies that is uh, a more kind of persistent, um, kind of favored emerging market asset uh, amongst investors. Um, The other interesting one to highlight is the Hungarian forint, where not only is the level of positioning high in absolute terms, um, it's also very high relative to its own history. So that's one market which is offering high yields, sure, but it's also one... Where investors are very long and much longer than they have been um, in the past. Um, you know, we had argued last week that um, when you think about the China reopening theme and the types of currencies that should benefit from it, it's really more um, about the commodity exporters and the commodity exporters that had under uh, underperformed versus expectations. Um, you know, those are the ones which I think do not look in comparison all that crowded. Um, So that's something that would be, um, you know, of of comfort to to investors. Uh, And what do we see
0: then on the rate side, as well as the effects that you've talked about?
1: So in rates, the pattern, again, is similar. The higher the yield, on average, the higher the positioning. So uh, on the rate side, it's the high yield commodity exporters right now that seem uh, to have the the long positions. Um, you know, places like South Africa, Mexico, and Brazil um, are the most overweight. But again, in the case of Mexico and Brazil, those are markets that investors um, are typically persistently long because of their 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 kind of higher yields. So they're not longer than they have been, um, you know, versus it's it's their own history. Now, here again, I think um, coming the point you made earlier, Johnny is is an important one. Uh, And that is the investors who are already in EM, the EM-dedicated investors, they are long some of these markets, and that's what's being demonstrated in our uh, client survey. But if you look at the foreign ownership data, it's telling you that it's uh, quite low in some of these countries. So foreign investors are no longer as important um, as, as holders of these bonds as they were in the past. And it goes back to the fact that um, global investors have not been allocating to EM uh, for some time now. So while the existing pool of assets is allocated to certain these certain countries, the high yielders that we mentioned, uh, the medium term is really going to be driven by the extent to which the pool of assets, the overall universe of assets dedicated to EM can increase, and that can fuel some more demand. Um, so I think it's also a question then about... Um, Thinking about the timing of this, you know, short term, there are some hurdles, but medium term, if EM can get a few more months of these inflows, then the positioning in that sense doesn't look as stretched. But turning away from local markets, Johnny, and and sovereign credit, what stands out right now to you in terms of things to highlight uh, for positioning?
0: So first thing to say is that sovereign credit overall has the highest positioning it looks like within the asset class it's around top 15th percentile of the last 20 years just to give a range so we investors look like they're they overweight anecdotally that that seems the case as well on a country level uh sometimes it's some of the smaller countries that get overpositioned and and certainly in our own views around them we react to that. Um, Ivory Coast is one at the moment. Romania is another, which look like they have quite high positioning uh, in comparison both to other countries and their own history. And in our own uh, thoughts around those countries, we also want to take that into consideration as it may well limit their performance.
1: And what about the supply of bonds on, in sovereign credit? That's something which has clearly picked up over the last few weeks. How big of a concern is that?
0: Yeah, so I think supply is also something which can also weigh on the technicals in sovereigns. Um, we talked about it a bit last week. Issuance has continued. It's very large. We've had about $42 billion of um, new supply hitting the market so far. This year, that's a January record. It's twice the average monthly pace that you've seen um, for the last 10 years. It's about 45% of total issuance last year is what we've had so far this year. So a strong start. We've had to raise some of our uh, issuance uh, views for this year, really just because of of the pace that we've had so far. And I think that probably means when you add that to the way that positioning is uh, in the asset class and and what look like some expensive valuations, it it probably of, of the different parts of the asset class, makes us feel that, that maybe we don't have too much upside in the short term um, in in sort of EM sovereign credit spreads. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan, at any rate, Emerging Market Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back in with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. All
1: rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 26th of January, 2023.